The following message was recorded at Christ Church in Bartlett, Tennessee. For more information about Christ Church, visit www.ccbartlett.org. Lord, I don't know where everyone is in this room, but what I do understand is that you wanted us here. We wouldn't be here unless you didn't want us here. You're sovereign. You're in control of all things. And Lord, you have something to say to us this morning. May we listen. Give us ears to hear. We love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Well, um, I'm really glad to be with you this morning. And uh, I don't know about you, but I, I think we all need encouraging words from others from time to time, don't we? We need each other to encourage one another. When you get dumped, you need your friend to say, oh, that, that you, they're, you're too good for them, right? Or, or when you don't get the job you, you wanted, you need somebody to tell you, oh, well, I heard they only hire serial killers. Or when you're an adult and somehow you get a zit right on the end of the, your nose, you need your friends to say, hey, you know, Rudolph was Santa's favorite. And so we need those encouraging words. And I think there, there are probably no more encouraging words than, than when I'm going through a difficult time for people to tell me that they're praying for me. When we were in and out of the hospital this past year with our daughter, just getting your notes, getting your messages, hearing you come up to me and tell me that you were praying for me. The idea that you would go to the Father and intercede on my behalf, intercession, a fancy way of saying pray for, when you would intercede on my behalf and my family's behalf, it was overwhelming. It was incredibly encouraging. And so when do we usually pray for others? When do we usually intercede for one another? Well, usually it's in moments of tragedy, right? That's, that's mostly when people would normally pray for other people. Uh, I'm, I recall a time where a storm was raging, the ship was sinking, and the captain knew it. So he asked, does anyone pray? And finally a sailor steps up and said, well, well I do. And he says, great, will you pray? We're going to put on life jackets for one short, right? And so uh, usually it's in times of tragedy. And, and even in moments of tragedy, we usually only pray when someone asks us to, right? When someone comes up to us and says, would you pray for me? And as a pastor, this happens to us all the time. I, I, I'm reminded of a time with, with Brother John. He was asked to come pray for this lady. This son uh, came and said, would you pray for my mom? He, she was really ill with the flu. And, and Brother John, he was going to go pray for the woman. And he, he realized, you know, she used to go to our church. She left our church. She's going to a church actually right down the street. So he just asked the boy, well, uh, shouldn't you go ask your new pastor to, to pray for your mom? And, and he said, well, we would, but we don't want to take the chance that he'll get what she has. So, I mean, we get asked all the time to pray for people. And let me ask you this. Is it, is it enough just to pray in times of tragedy? Is that enough? Because here's what Ephesians 6.18 says. Check it out. Praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication, to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. It says, at all times. So that's not just when times are difficult, not just when you're asked, not just when you feel like it, but it says, at all times. And we might be used to the idea that we should have a, a regular discipline in our life should be prayer, right? We might be used to that idea. But this scripture is saying a regular discipline in your life, in your daily life, should not just be prayer but it should be prayer for other people. And it says, even when it's tough or tiring, do it. It says, keep alert with all perseverance. Wouldn't it be sensible to say that when we are in times of difficulty, right, we kind of get a pass, right? I just pray for myself when there's something really terrible going on, right? When our kid's in the hospital, when we experience a loss or when we're suffering personal tragedy, can't we, don't we kind of get a pass there, well, if you look at Job, if you, if you know that Old Testament character, Job, his, his servants are dead, his possessions are gone, his health is gone, his children are dead. If you look at Job 42.10, it says, After Job had prayed for his friends, 
The Lord restored his fortunes and gave him twice as much as he had before. Job was restored after he prayed for others. In the midst of tragedy, he wasn't excused. When Jesus is facing uh, his crucifixion, he knows he's about to be betrayed. He knows he's about to be crucified. For whom does he pray for? Us. He prays for us in John 17. Isn't that incredible? So, so we see that we must pray for one another, but, but why is it important? Why is intercession important? Well, number one, it's a command. We already read that in Ephesians 6.18. And if it's a command, then that means it's for our joy because the Lord's commands are for our joy. Psalm 19.8 says the commandments of the Lord are right, bringing joy to the heart. So we do it because it's a command for our joy. Secondly, we do it because it helps us model Jesus. In John 17, I just told you that he prayed for us. You, seriously, you want to look at a time when Jesus prayed for you, read John 17. He prays for us, but also Hebrews tells us that right now he's interceding for us, and he will always intercede for us. Isn't that absolutely incredible? And so we're never more like Jesus than when we're interceding for one another. And Jesus loves us, and, and, and an act of praying for one another is an act of love. Richard Foster put it this way, if we truly love people, we will desire for them far more than it is within our power to give them, and this will lead us to prayer. Intercession is always a way of loving others. The third reason uh, uh, intercession is important is because God works through our intercession. In Exodus chapter 32, Moses comes down uh, uh, from the mountain and the people of Israel have turned uh, to, to start worshiping a golden calf, right? And, and God is angry and his wrath is, is stirred up against them. And, and, and Moses prays. Moses says, please, don't, please don't, don't, don't destroy them, all right? Please turn your wrath away. And his, through his intercession, God spared them. James 5, 16 tells us to pray for one another so that we may be healed because the prayer of a righteous person has much power, right? So God uses our prayers. Uh, and God not only works through our intercession, he works in us through intercession. Uh, Job prayed for his friends and was restored. Why is this significant? Well, two reasons. One, God didn't bless Job until he repented of his pride. We see that at the beginning of Job 42. But also, God didn't bless Job until his community was restored by his friendships being mended. And that didn't happen until he prayed for them. So here's what God does. He deeply weaves our community together through our prayers for one another. He's deeply weaving our community together through our prayers for one another. So that's why we see a command to pray for one another. We see it in Ephesians, 1 and 2 Timothy, 1 and 2 Thessalonians, James, 1 Peter, Colossians, Philippians, 1 John, 1 and 2 Corinthians, Hebrews, Romans, right? And in Acts 2.42, we see that the early church, they're anchored together, they're unified together out of their prayer for one another. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, I think, illustrated it best, and here's how he said it. A Christian fellowship lives and exists by the intercession of its members for one another, or it collapses. I can no longer condemn or hate a brother for whom I pray, no matter how much trouble he causes me. His face that hitherto may have been strange and intolerable to me is transformed in intercession into the countenance of a brother for whom Christ died, the face of a forgiven sinner. So we must intercede for one another. But why don't we? We see it's important. We see it's powerful. We see it's important not only for each other, but even for ourselves that we do it. Why don't we do it? Well, I think we don't do it. Number one, we aren't in a habit of praying. I mean, if you're not in a habit of praying, then how are you going to be in a habit for praying for others? You kind of got to get step one before you get step two. But 
Less obvious than that is we, we, we don't know their situation, either because they don't want us to know, right? Maybe they're very private people. They, they, how many of you in here would say you're a very private person, you don't share a lot? Anybody? Show of hands, show of hands. Ha, tricked you. I got you to reveal something about yourself by showing your hand. All right, good job. But here's what Romans says. In Romans 12, 5, it says we belong to each other. So we must open up ourselves to each other. And sometimes we don't know their situation because we don't want to know. And what I mean is we don't make ourselves available, whether in general, right? You don't have your antenna up for other people's needs. You got your own little world you're in, right? And you got to take care of yourself. You got to take care of your family, right? So you're not listening. Others, your antenna might be up, but you might sense that this is going to cost me too much. This is too messy. This is, this is too difficult what this person is dealing with. I, I don't want to get involved, right? I think a third reason we don't intercede for one another is we don't know how. I think a lot of us, we want to intercede for others, but we don't know what to pray for, right? You might say to somebody, okay, I'll be praying for you. Then you get in your car and it pops in your head and you go, uh, what? I don't even know. I don't even know what to say. And I want to focus on that today and, and even next Sunday. Today I want to focus on praying for our brothers and sisters. Next week we're going to focus on praying um, for the lost, for those who don't know the Lord Jesus. But today I want to focus on that, interceding for our brothers and sisters. Our scripture that, that I think the Lord's going to speak to us today through is Colossians 1, 9 through 14. So if you have a Bible, turn to Colossians chapter 1. If you don't have a Bible, there should be some under the chairs there. If you have a smartphone, then you can uh, look up the Bible there, Bible app or whatever. If you have a dumb phone, it is 2014 and remedy that. All right. So Colossians 1, 9-14. You there? Too slow. Let's go. And so, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. May you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He's delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. We're going to see five things to pray for our brothers and sisters, and they're already there um, on your handout there. But we're going to look at those five things. Before we get there, look at verse 9. So from the day we heard, we've not ceased to pray for you. Paul and Timothy say that from the day we heard, you, you came to faith in the Lord Jesus. We have not stopped praying for you. What a lesson that is to us. Paul and Timothy certainly had other obligations. Certainly they had other things that would distract them, but they prayed consistently either way. And I pray that I would be that consistent. Also, Paul and Timothy didn't receive information regularly enough to know that, that what they're praying for was, was happening in Colossae or not, right? And yet they kept praying. And, and maybe, maybe you're like me. I, I pray with a passion for something, but then when, when day after day I don't see a change, my passion starts to wane a little bit, right? Maybe you're like me. Maybe you prayed for 10 years that your son would turn back to the Lord and, and you haven't seen it yet. Are, are your prayers still that passionate? Maybe you're miserable at work and you've been praying for months that, that the Lord would bring some sort of change and yet nothing has happened. Or maybe you prayed countless nights for your sick child to be well and yet they are not yet. A lot of times for me, these situations, they don't result in an endurance in prayer. They don't result in my prayers becoming stronger or more, or more diligent or anything. Instead, 
it reduces them and they become less frequent. But Paul and Timothy, they gave us a wonderful example of endurance. They remembered that Isaiah 55, 8, the Lord said, My thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways, are your ways my ways. They know God's ways, his will, and his timing aren't necessarily ours. So there's nothing we can do about that. But what we can do is just keep praying. Just keep praying and trust the Lord to be the Lord. So just keep praying. So what's the first thing that we, we can learn to pray for one another? I go back to verse 9. And so from the day we heard, we've not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him. So what's the first thing you pray for them? Pray that they'll be filled with the knowledge of the Lord's will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding, to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him. What's the goal of our prayer? Verse 10 says it right there. To walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him. That's the goal of the prayer. How do they do it? What do we pray for them so that they will walk in that way? Back to verse 9. Be filled with the knowledge of His will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Meaning, that they will please the Lord with their lives when they discern God's will. When they discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Does this mean discerning God's will in like big life decisions? Absolutely. That's a great thing to do. To seek the Lord's will in big life decisions. Where you'll work, uh, where you'll live, where you'll study, who you'll marry. A cautionary tale would probably be my wife who didn't spend enough time in prayer. And guess what? Ha <laughs> Anyway, right? So that's important. It's important to pray through those moments and decisions. It's important to stop and think and ask the Lord to give clarity and guidance. And the good news is he will. Psalm 32, 8 says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I'll counsel you with my eye upon you. But it doesn't only mean pray for discernment and major life decision. It also means daily discerning what pleases God. That's what it means. Not only big, big time thing, but daily discerning what pleases to God. And it doesn't mean daily discerning what you should do every day, right? Should you go to work or not, right? Probably go to work. Drive home, eat dinner, uh, choose between Frosted Flakes or Cap'n Crunch. That's silly. Always Frosted Flakes, right? But anyway, like, it's not talking about those day-to-day -day decisions. It does mean daily discerning not what you do, but how you do what you do. Here's what I mean. His will has already been revealed for our daily lives. Check it out. 1 Corinthians 10, 31. Whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Colossians 3.17 says it like this. Whatever you do, again, left, right, middle, whatever. Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So it's been revealed. That's God's will for you on a daily basis is, is honor him in all that you do. So why pray if it's been revealed? That seems pretty simple, right? Here's why. We need the wisdom and understanding. That's in that verse 2 and verse 10. We need the wisdom and understanding to know how to do whatever we do for the glory of God, right? That's what we need. I, I know what God's will is, right? I know that he wants me to please him in everything that I do. But I need his wisdom and understanding to know how to do that in what I do. Let me give you some examples. My, my attitude, naturally, I'm selfish like we all are. So when I'm in a disagreement, I need the wisdom to choose selflessness and kindness in order to please God. When you're eating lunch with your co-workers, you need the understanding of God to allow you to choose words that give life rather than take it. And that's walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. When it's the end of the day and you're tired and your kids aren't and they're misbehaving, you need the wisdom of God to punish them well in a way that corrects and builds up because that honors the Lord. 
In other words, we need to pray not so much whether they should go left or right, but instead we need to pray that when they go left or when they go right, they will do it in the right way. So pray that God would give them the wisdom to know how to honor, to honor Him in all that they do today. Pray that God would give them the understanding to know what word or choice or attitude or effort is pleasing to God in the things that they do that day. I want to simplify all these points today, and so that's what's on your outline, just a, a simplified version of that. And so here's my simple phrase for that. Lord, make my friends, whoever that is, make them wise. Make them wise. Wise. The second thing, we can pray for one another. Look at verse 10. So as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him, bearing fruit in every good work. So pray that they would bear fruit in every good work. If you pray that your friend would be wise, choosing to honor the Lord in their actions, then their works will be good. If they're choosing to honor the Lord in their actions, their work would be good. So we pray that they would do good works, but this says pray that they would bear fruit in the good work. Meaning, they could do a good work and not bear fruit. And, and what is bearing fruit? Bearing fruit is the, it's the spiritual result of what God's doing in you as He makes you more like Himself, right? It's that spiritual result. Galatians 5, it names some. It says, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. When those things ooze out of your life, self-control and gentleness and patience, when those things ooze out of your life, then that's just the, the spiritual result of God transforming you to be more like His Son. And so this scripture implies that you can do a good work and God not do anything in your life. God wouldn't use it to change you. God wouldn't use it to make you more like His Son. Is this true? Is this possible? Absolutely. In Matthew 6, Jesus says, look, when you give to the needy, do it in private. Don't, don't go tell everybody about it. Because if you do, you've already got your reward. I'm not going to reward you for that, right? He's not gonna, you're not going to bear fruit in doing that. And we see in the Old Testament, King Cyrus, who didn't know God, was used by God to bless God's people. Did he bear fruit in his life? No, he didn't even follow the Lord. And yet the Lord used him. He did a good work without, uh, without bearing fruit. So what do we need to bear fruit in every good work? Well, number one, you need to pray that they choose their good work wisely. I think we can all agree that to be busy doesn't equal productivity. Am I right? To be busy doesn't equal productivity. In college, I was always busy. I had like three video games going on at once, right? I was listening to music. Um, I was eating a bunch of Cheetos. You know what I mean? Like, I was busy. I had stuff to do, right? Was I productive? Well, my GPA might disagree, right? I wasn't very productive. And sometimes we don't bear fruit because we can get so busy with good work, doing good work, that we miss the good in the work, which is Jesus. Isn't that the story of Mary and Martha? We see a picture of Jesus coming to eat uh, at Mary and Martha's house, and, and Mary's sitting with Jesus, just listening to him, wanting to, just, just drinking in all that Jesus had to say, and, and Martha's working and working and working and working, and she is tipped, right? And she comes in, and she says, Jesus, check me out, right? Like, I'm covered in flour. I've been working my tail off here, and then Mary's over here just sitting on her tail. Like, would you tell her to get up, or you're going to light her on fire? Could you please do that for me? And Jesus said, no, she's chosen what's best, and I'm not going to take that from her. Martha got so busy doing a good work. That's a great work. Making a meal for Jesus and his disciples, that's got to be up there on good stuff to do, right? And yet she missed the good in the good work. She wasn't bearing fruit, right? And there's some people here, I'll give you some more examples from our own life. There's some people here, our food distribution that Saturday, I don't want to see you. You know why? Because you already serve so well 
in so much that you're going to miss. If you come here and do this good work, you're going to miss the good in it because you need to rest. You need to be with your family. Think about it. I get asked to participate in good thing after good thing after good thing. And sometimes a yes is not a good thing for me. Some in this room have so many good things going on in your life, you're not bearing fruit. Is that crazy? Does that sound crazy? But it's true. Some of you need, may need to cut out one of the 25 Bible studies you're in. You get me on that, right? We've all been through those phases, right? I'm sure there's a recovery program for it. But anyway, find it and get in it. Some of you may need to spend less time providing for your family, which is good. That's a good work. But you need to spend less time providing for your family, more time with your family. Some of you need to drop something really, really important, some really, really good work on Tuesday nights to be here and to pray with us, right? Some of you are doing so much good work, you're missing the good in the work. So the first thing, be wise when you choose your good work. Secondly, be attached to the vine. John 15, 4 through 5 says, Abide in me and I in you. This is Jesus speaking. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. I'm the vine, you're the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. A severed or suffering relationship with the Lord Jesus will greatly hinder the growth of fruit in your life. I've never seen, I've never walked by a tree or something and seen a severed limb laying on the ground growing beautiful fruit, right? If I did, it's haunted and I'm leaving, right? Like that does, it doesn't happen, right? And a, a relationship with Jesus needs to be the priority for them to bear fruit. So what's our simple prayer for them to bear fruit in every good work? Here it is. Lord, make my friend prudent. Make them prudent. Third, look at verse 10. Walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. Pray that they would increase in the knowledge of God. How do you learn about someone? You listen to them, right? You having relationship issues? Are you listening, right? I know like something that helped my marriage a lot was that Angela is now is completely in control of my calendar on my phone, right? She can add to it. She can delete from it. She can manipulate it. And here's why. Because she was seriously tired of me completely forgetting about things uh, that she told me about 3,000 times, right? Like there was this one time we were supposed to go to a wedding and I was like painting the bathroom or whatever. And she comes in. She's like, you ready to go? And I was like, yeah, I'm ready to go to where exactly again, right? Like, and I just, I couldn't remember. I just wasn't listening, right? But we learn a lot about people when we listen. And we can know God through what he says because he has spoken. Hebrews 1 says this, In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets. Check that out. Do we have the words of the prophets? Oh, yeah, it's in the front of your Bible. It's called the Old Testament. We have, uh, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he's spoken to us by his son. Do we have the words of Jesus anywhere written down? Anybody? Oh, in your Bible. Okay, there you go. So let's pray that we gain a hunger for the word of God. And you might say a hunger. That's a weird type of word. Well, Jesus kind of gave us that picture. Matthew 4, 4, Jesus says, It's written, man will not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And I think hunger is the appropriate uh, metaphor or analogy here because think about what happens when you're hungry. It's the priority, right? If nothing else gets fixed, you will get fed. When you're a baby, you cry. When you're a toddler, you scream. When you're a teenager, well, you cry too. When you're an adult and you're hungry, you threaten people's lives. It happens, right? Like hunger is the priority and we must truly hunger for God's word. I love John Wesley's hunger. Here's what he said. I'm a creature of a day. I'm a spirit come from God and returning to God. I want to know one thing. 
the way to heaven. God himself has condescended to teach me the way. He's written it down in a book. Oh, give me that book at any price. Uh, give me the book of God. Let me be a man of one book. It's a good hunger because it's a hunger that will be satisfied. Matthew 5, 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. So pray that they would be hungry for the word of God. So what's our third prayer? Lord, make my friend hungry. The fourth thing, look at verse 11. May you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. So we pray that for our friends. Strengthened with all power for what? Right? Is it like weightlifting or whatever? Some of us might need that. I don't because I don't do it. Right? But what? Strengthened with power for what? Here it is at the end of verse 11. For all endurance and patience with joy. So we pray for God's strength to sustain our friends and maintain their joy through whatever difficulty they may face. Last week we discussed it. There's a real spiritual war happening now and all the time. We listed our three enemies. We have the devil. We have the world. We have the flesh. And they're working together against us, right? So how in the world, if we're enduring those conflicts, how in the world can we endure joyfully? They will endure joyfully if they're strengthened with all power according to his glorious might. Listen to what Paul said in Philippians 4. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I've learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it's with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. I think this is a perfect example of something we must pray for. Because I can't give that to you. I want to, but I can't give you that strength. You might say, uh, can you encourage me and give me strength? Sure. What strength am I going to offer you? But through prayer, I can offer you the strength according to His glorious might. You get that? As I pray for you, I can offer you the strength of the hands that hold the universe together. That th Those hands can hold you. That's what I can offer you through prayer. I can offer you the strength that faced the cross as you face whatever adversity you face. Isn't that incredible? So let's love one another and simply pray this, the fourth, fourth prayer. Lord, make my friend strong. The fifth prayer, look at verse 12. Give thanks to the Father who's qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He's delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So fifthly, pray that they express gratitude to the Father for his grace. It can be difficult to remain thankful in tough spots, right? When you're enduring something difficult, I mean, that's really hard to just, just overflow with gratitude, isn't it? I mean, and, and I know better than anybody, no one throws pity parties like me, all right? Like, I should, I should start a business. You want to throw a pity party? Why don't I come in? I'm super good at self-loathing, all right? Like, I remember one time, I, Angela's sitting on the couch, and I just kind of plopped down next to her, just throwing my pity party. And I was like, you know, there's, there's Angela, nobody loves me. The whole world hates me. And she just looked at me real tenderly, and only the way she can, she said, that's not true. Some people don't even know you. <laughs> just, it just connected. It's what I needed. And, and here's the deal. In difficult situations... We, we get our blinders on, and what do we see? Difficulty. That's it. When I've got a difficult situation, that's all I can see. Difficulty. You know, because I want to focus on that. I want to get that fixed. I want to get that done. Can I give you a really goofy example that happened this past week? 
um, and something else to make fun of me for. Um, so this week, uh, the Lord provided uh, a way for us to get a new minivan. Uh, well, new to us, right? Um, and and it was, it's an incredible thing, and I praise the Lord for it. And it's just an incredible gift He's given us. But anyway, we, we go and we get it, and it has those automatic doors. You know what I'm talking about? Like you push a button on the inside of the door, and the door is like it's Star Trek, and it goes, right? And it's incredible. And like we get home... Actually, we get to my parents' house, and we're going to watch the Grizzlies game together, and I don't want to talk about it. But anyway, we get, and we're going to watch the Grizzlies game together, and, uh, and I push the button, and nothing happens. And I was like, what just happened? And so then I check the child lock, and it's off, so it should be working. And I, I like, Google it, and I'm like, Google, help me, right? I'm losing my mind. And it was like, look, if that's not working, it's probably a blown fuse. And I was so upset, right? That's all I could think about was that. Like, this is so annoying, so obnoxious. So we're watching the Grizzlies game, which did not help. But anyway, like, we're hanging out. And I, I'm not, I, I'm not, I don't care what's happening. I do not care what's happening, right? Because it's all I'm thinking about is the stupid doors, right? And then we get in the car to go home, and, and it's night. And so when you turn the car on, all the buttons light up on the inside. And it's like a light from heaven over my head. And I look up. And there's a button, and it says, door button, on, off. <laughs> Angela, I fixed it, right? I'm a genius, right? But my point is, like, that's, I got blinders on. I didn't care about anything else that was happening. All I cared about was that. That was so annoying. I wanted to get fixed, right? In difficult situations, you get focused solely on the difficulty. And, and our enemy is smart, right? He's been around a lot longer than we have. And so it's at that moment that he starts throwing destructive thoughts our way, right? Uh, have you heard these thoughts in those moments that you're never going to get out of this? You know, you deserve this. You know, you know, you're such a loser. Look over here. Look at them. They're not in this situation, but you got yourself in this situation. What a loser. God doesn't love you. How could God possibly love you? How would he let you end up here if he really loved you? That's when the enemy starts throwing those destructive thoughts our way. And what's he doing with those thoughts? He's killing our joy. He's stealing our peace. He's destroying our ability to display the goodness of God to others, right? He's doing an incredible work against us. And we play right into it, don't we? When you start to hear those thoughts, what do you do? You start complaining. You start griping. And what does that do? Does that, has that ever made anyone feel better? No. It just makes it worse. It makes you more miserable. And you're just throwing around those destructive thoughts. But pray this for, for one another. I pray that, that, that your friends would grow a disdain for complaining and griping, that it would, it would taste bad in their mouths, but they would be people quick to see God's grace and give thanks in all circumstances. Quick to see God's grace. Can I go back to my dumb van example? The Lord gave me a van, and I'm upset about the doors. You, ca- you catch me on that? Like our expedition, when we stopped, it was like, it was like you just shook, you know what I mean? Like it was just like a change fell out of my pocket, right? Like it was just, that thing was not going to last very long. When we left at the dealership, I was like, I'm not responsible if this explodes, right? Like this is yours now. And yet, and so I was so happy and so overjoyed. And then this difficulty came along, the stupid little small inconvenience. And, and I wasn't grateful anymore. I, I, I completely forgot about God's grace. Isn't that silly? Isn't that ridiculous? But why? Because I sat there in my mind and I complained over and over and over again, and griped. So, so our last prayer is this, our simple prayer, fifth one. Lord, make my friend grateful. 
Make them quick to see God's grace in all circumstances. So I want to close with this question. If you're playing the song or whatever band, come on up. I want to close with this question. You have the tools to pray for one another. So here you go. Who are you going to pray for this week? Who is it? Who are you going to pray for this week? Maybe they're, like, their face was poof, right in your head, right? Maybe when I started talking about praying for other people, you're like, yep, that person right there. Who is it? Maybe you have no idea. Maybe you don't. Seriously, maybe you have no idea. Something um, Watchman Nee used to do is he would sit there and he would, uh, he would think through people in his life. And he would, uh, he would keep thinking about their faces and who they were until the Lord just showed him one, until he felt what he called a burning for them. He's like, oh, I need to pray for them, right? Maybe you need to do that. Go through that, that Rolodex in your, in your mind. Teenagers, a Rolodex, it's like, a, it's like the contacts in your smartphone, but it's on cards, and you flip through it. We'll talk later. Anyway, Google it. Maybe you need to flip through the contacts app in your phone and just think through their faces and ask the Lord. Say, Lord, who do, who do I need to pray for this week? Who can I pray this for this week? And do it. Take those five simple prayers and, and do it. Open Colossians every day and do it. Read it for your friend, for your brother, for your sister in Christ. So here's, here's what we're going to do. You guys are already seated. Stay seated. Go ahead. If, if you would, bow your head and just close your eyes and just think. If you know who you need to be praying for, start right now. Just start right now. If you don't, just, just go through your mind right now. Ask the Lord, who is it? Who can I pray for? If, if you go through that whole exercise in your head and you don't come up with anything, I'll give you a great hint. Maybe that person's sitting next to you or behind you right now or in front of you right now. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. Maybe you want to pray for that person. That's what we do on Tuesdays. Just say, pray for the person next to you this week. Maybe that's what you need to do. I don't know. But sit here and just ask the Lord. And with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, some of you, you know, you don't pray because you aren't sure if you even know God. Some of you don't even know if God would even want you to come to Him. Can I tell you one of the craziest prayers in all of the scriptures? Jesus is hanging on the cross. You, are you with me? He's hanging on the cross. And he's praying for the people who nailed him there. You got, are you, you got that? He's praying for the people who, while he's praying, are hurling insults at him. And spitting at him. And mocking him. He's praying for them. So here's the reality, according to the scriptures. He desires all men to be saved. So the scriptures tell us. Are you all? He desires all men to be saved. So some of you, as we stop right now and we're quiet, and you're honest with yourself, you don't know God. You haven't followed God then let today be that day. Come to Him. Be forgiven. 
Ask Him to forgive you right now, in your seat, in your own words, in the quietness of your heart. You don't have to say it out loud. Just right now, just ask Him to forgive you. He will. Tell Him you believe that He died on the cross for you. Tell Him you believe He rose from the dead. And ask Him to come into your life right now. Say it however you want to say it. Ask Him to come into your life. He will. Scriptures say He'll make you new. He'll call you His child now and forever. Incredible. So, Lord, here's my prayer. Lord, for those in this room, for my brothers and sisters that are sitting here now, I pray you would make us people who pray for one another. That a regular daily discipline in our life would be to intercede for our brothers and sisters. That we would find the joy in it. And that, Lord, you would do incredible things through our intercession. We see it in the scriptures. I don't see a single time someone intercedes for someone in the scriptures and you don't move in a mighty way. Not a single time. So Lord, I pray we would start interceding powerfully, boldly for one another. I can't imagine what you would do in this place if we did, if we did that. I cannot imagine so, Lord, make us people who pray for one another. Fervently, consistently pray for one another. Thank you. And, Lord, for others in this room that were honest with themselves today and they, they knew they weren't following you, Lord, I pray if, if they had the courage to pray that prayer today, that they would know, they would know that they know that they know with full assurance that they're now forgiven, now and forever. That they're your child now and forever. Yeah, they'll mess up again, but your grace will be there. And you'll intercede for them. They're yours now and forever. They have you now as they live. And when they pass from this life, they will have you then as they live with you forever. Give them that assurance. And Lord, give them the courage to come find out what's next, how to follow you more. So, Lord, accomplish whatever you want to accomplish. It's in your name we pray.